Hello, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This week, the Ringer is launching a new podcast feed called Boom Bust, a new hub for narrative podcasts documenting the rise and fall of companies, celebrities, and trends. Season one, hosted by our own Alyssa Bereznak, takes you through this spectacular journey of HQ Trivia, the once $100 million industry-altering company turned disaster. Alyssa interviewed dozens of former employees, investors, journalists, and fans, bringing you the -the behind-the-scenes story of how HQ crumbled from within. Subscribe to Boom Bust HQ Trivia and check out the first two episodes out now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin What's going on, dude? Well, unfortunately, right before we are about to record this on Friday morning, news just broke of the passing of Jerry Sloan. Um which has been a very significant figure in the NBA for many, many years. Um, He died at 78 years old uh, this morning. And the statement from the Utah Jazz said, Jerry Sloan will always be synonymous with the Utah Jazz. He'll forever be a part of the Utah Jazz organization. And we join his family, friends, and fans in mourning his loss. This is, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's an overstatement. He is truly one of the titans of NBA history. And I think... You are going to see his name come up a lot um, over the course of the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years because of where he is in so many records uh, for, for coaches to hold. And that longevity, that tenure he had with one organization and the sustained winning is something that I think we've all wondered, is that going to be able to happen again? You know, with how much, how often teams pull the plug on coaches, even when they have a lot of success um, because of management, you know, turnover or ownership turnover or whatever. But it's sad, man. It's a sad morning. For sure. I mean, he was a basketball lifer. He played his rookie season all the way back in 1965 after going to college at Evansville. He coached his final season in 2011. I mean, this guy was around for decades. And as you said, Chris, I mean, the fact he started coaching with Utah in 1988, my ringer coworker, Roger Sherman, followed up to a tweet that I put out there this morning that said he was the longest tenured coach in the NBA in 1998. And then he coaches 13 seasons more than that. It's just outrageous that he was around for so long in this game as a player and as a coach, um, and I'm not sure we're going to see a guy that coaches on one team again for that long of a time. It, it'd be he, he's a rarity and perhaps one of a kind. I mean, a couple of the records that this guy holds, and he holds a ton, but I'm just going to mention a few, which are truly unbelievable. 16 consecutive winning seasons, 13 of which wow. were 50 win seasons. I mean, that is crazy, Kevin. Crazy. 16 consecutive winning seasons. I mean, and, you know, I think we just got done watching The Last Dance, 
where his team, you know, they had that jazz team that was fantastic and they lost to the Bulls twice. So he he ended his career without having a ring. But I don't think anybody denies that. Like I, I, I he's one. He's a great example of okay. He didn't have a ring. That doesn't mean he was not great. That level of sustained excellence is truly remarkable. Even if he didn't end up with the ring, and he, like many others of that generation, as we learned, the only reason they didn't is because Michael Jordan was in the league, for sure. And he had a sense of humor too, as we saw in the last yep. dance. He's like, really, Michael Jordan was sick. I'm yep. just finding this out <laughs> yep. after the game. Uh, a handful of other jokes in there, and the with the short amount of time Utah Jazz were in the last, just in the last two episodes, of course. Um, but Jerry Sloan is what's remarkable too is the fact that because of his long tenure as a coach, just the generations of players that he constantly had to adapt to as people changed going into the league, when high school kids started coming into the league, when they weren't. I mean, this was a coach that shows an adaptability to relate to and to figure out what buttons to push to get his team to win because they all constantly won at one point or another obviously at peak in the 90s um but they had a lot of other winning success over the years too even if it wasn't a team that went to the nba finals well and every time you we inevitably see all kinds of coaching turnover every year in every sport and what do they do they walk in and they they say we want to establish a culture that's what I'm going to do here. We're going to establish a culture. We want people to think that if they're going to X school or if they're going to play for X organization, that this is the way it's done. Like, it's one thing for everybody to promise that, but we know you are going to fall in line with Jerry Sloan and the way he did things and Stockton and Malone, or you were going to be gone, right? Like, we, we, we lauded the Spurs for the last 20 years for being like that, this was Spurs before Spurs in Utah, right? Where they had the two elder statesmen that were there for the long haul. They had the coach that had been there forever. And if you were going to Utah, you were going to play like the Jazz play, and you were going to conduct yourself in a manner, or you weren't going to be there, right? And for all the promises that everybody makes about establishing a culture, here is a guy that obviously... You know, when you're talking 16 consecutive winning seasons and 13 50 win seasons, like they had what they did, and you were either gonna fall in line or you just weren't gonna be a member of the Jazz. It's just strictly as as a human being as well. He was somebody who grew up in you know intense intense poverty as a young kid, and another example of with his mindset. You know, obviously with his you know gifts as an athlete. Um, but more than that, to become a guy who can be a coach and above all else, a leader of other men, you know, of other people um, to get to go from what he came from and just intense poverty uh, to become what he did shows a lot of good fortune, of course, but also a lot of hard work. And Jerry Sloan is an excellent example of that. And, and one other thing, because you mentioned his playing career, because I think many times when we think of somebody as what we know them as. There, there is no real reference point for us of what they were before they were Jerry Sloan, the coach. And, and I just went through this with my son, and this is crazy. It's going to sound crazy to a younger generation, but he doesn't know Steve Kerr, the player. Steve Kerr is the coach of the Golden State Warriors to him, you know? 
Like yeah. that's who he is. And so to just speak of that, Jerry Sloan was a two-time NBA All-Star as a player and over 11 seasons with Chicago and Baltimore, um, he played in the NBA and he was the first player in Bulls history to have his number retired. And his number was retired in 1978. So nobody wears number four for the Bulls. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Jerry Sloan. I didn't know Jerry Sloan was so I, good that his number was retired. I, I, I knew he had a cup of coffee coaching for the Bulls two years, yeah. but I yeah. didn't know his number was retired right before he became the coach. Crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy. So I mean, Jerry Sloan was obviously look. He's a two-time NBA All Star, and he got his jersey retired. He's a hell of a player before he was ever a coach. But we just. You know, I mean, Jerry Sloan was old by the time I was a kid. It felt like to me. You know what I mean? It felt I mean, like it felt like to me. Like I never me knew too. Jerry Sloan. <laughs> he was old when I was a kid. Well, like if you look at, uh, but I'm saying, it, like, look, 20 years ago or whatever, 20, you, like when he's the coach of the Jazz, like what we just watched in the last dance. That's 22 years ago. I mean, he's 56. You know, then that's not like I always thought Jerry Sloan was older than he is. In fact, it's kind of shocking to me today he was 78, honestly. Like, because, I mean, because he always had silver hair. But, I mean, here, <laughs> and then we got to, like, it's not like we're watching a Jerry Sloan highlights. Like, you know, how how sparse any old highlights are of seeing these guys as players. But hell of a career, too, before he was ever one of clearly the greatest coaches of all time. An all-timer, Jerry Sloan. Yeah. yeah. One, uh, this week, we did get some news regarding the NBA and you know last week we talked about how 25% of these checks were going to be coming out and in the case of somebody like Chris Paul is going to be $400,000 less his check was last week well guess what Kev another check you know is going to come out next week right assuming you get paid every two weeks um and it seemed like this was really moving pretty fast um, you had the call with the players, you had the call with the board of governors, and now it seems like every few days we are getting more and more news. Earlier in the week, they said they're kind of focused on Disney World as a place where they could knock this out. Woj says Disney World and Las Vegas still on the table as a place you could get it done. And Disney then, World is the favorite, though, and, and yeah, it has yeah. been for some time, especially if there's only one destination, uh, one neutral site. But if there's two or three, uh, we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, it's, it's D- Disney World is one is, is the, the clear favorite. I saw you. I saw you retweet. Who was it? Was it Keith Smith? Keith Smith. From, of okay, Yahoo, Keith yep. Smith. Yeah. OK, so Keith had a, had a story. He had this is when uh, let me give a shout out to Keith Smith. Yeah. You want to talk about Keith Smith. You want to talk about coming over to the top on Woj and Shams. Have a source at Disney World. Who is their source? <laughs> I don't know if he called Mickey Mouse. I don't call, I don't know if he called Aladdin. I don't know who he talked to at Disney World, but he said sources source at Disney World. I was like, nah, there you go. That's how you get it done. How do you want to beat these guys? They ain't got no sources at Disney World. Woj doesn't have a source at Disney World. Where's Keith's your, got where's an your, edge. He, he worked at Disney, Disney for years. That's, did he really? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, he, he worked work, at Disney? He worked at, he, Keith worked at Disney up until like three months ago. And what was he? 
Uh, Do you know I'm what he sure did? Exactly. I'm not he sure. He wasn't exactly a character, was he? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, 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 it would be hilarious. If, like, he was the, he you was the Disney teapot. World, and, <laughs> and Keith was like, hey, 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 he lifts up the hat. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not sure what Keith, Keith did there, but uh, no, he worked at Disney oh, for I a didn't handful know. of years. And, um, that, oh, I mean, okay. that's, why, that's why he has such a deep understanding yep. of Disney and their facilities. Yep. And why, like, before anybody was ever talking about Disney, he wrote that article on Yahoo saying Disney is the place the NBA should go. Yeah. Disney, sh- Disney should host the NBA. And like, I read that at the time. I'm like, Whoa, this makes perfect sense. And yep. here we are. Whatever, however long it's been since he wrote that six weeks, five weeks. And that's likely where games could actually be played when basketball resumes sometime in July, if it resumes sometime in July. Okay, well, they're saying June 1st, some decisions are going to be made. You and I had talked about this, and you had talked about June 15th. Um, and so it seems like we're going to start. June June 15th is when it sounds like they want to get things rolling. And June yeah. 1st, what Woj and Lowe, Amick, and others uh, uh, reported was that that's when they want to have players start getting to team facilities for what seems like around a June 15th type of ba- date, maybe a little bit sooner than that now. Um, but that's the plan. And then from there, uh, a little bit time for individual training camp, a little bit of time for group training camp, like you would normally see in September into October. And then it could be time to roll that ball out. I had wondered if, cause I had looked at the calendar and I think if I'm not mistaken, July 4th is a weekend, isn't it? It seems like I, I had I wondered so. like, oh, wow. What if they could roll it out and announce, and we're going to have our first batch of games over this july 4th weekend or whatever but now it sounds like it's gonna be later than that yeah it, it likely would be maybe towards july 15th so it'd be cool for there, a holiday but, though know, it would have been cool <laughs> yeah it would be no doubt but still we could be getting some basketball news around then though yeah uh you wrote about testing uh this week on the ringer.com the testing plans at the center of the nba's relaunch efforts and uh you talked about the different methods of covid 19 testing the league is considering i'm very interested in this because a lot of people have wondered you know adam silver made it clear uh on both calls what we don't want is to have a player test positive and then that shut the whole thing down if that's what we're going to do, then we shouldn't even restart. And so a lot of people have wondered, okay, well, how do you do this? And so you went digging. How do you do this? Well, a number of steps. It's all starting out right now with the antibody test that the NBA is part of with the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And I talked to Dr. Sampath Kumar, who is a consultant of Division of Infectious Diseases there at the Mayo Clinic. And she explained to me that the NBA, like they're, they're trying to figure out what amount of their players and staffers have antibodies to COVID-19 and the belief is is that if you do have antibodies you will have some level of immunity to coronavirus for some amount of time an unknown you know effectiveness an unknown amount of time but that's the belief uh but for the NBA's purposes they're part of this study for the one number one reason the Mayo Clinic started looking for participants the NBA has sent about 400 participants out of about over 1000 uh, that the Mayo Clinic currently has because they're testing a a finger stick test uh, as a blood draw uh, to test its effectiveness compared to a typical blood draw through a vein puncture. And the reason 
for them doing this is currently on the market. There's no finger stick test. You know, uh, you know, you prick your finger, draw a little droplet of blood that can accurately tell if you have antibodies to coronavirus. And if they are able to prove that their new test that they created is as accurate as a typical blood draw through a vein puncture, that would mean ease for people around the country, around the world to have those tests either sent directly to them in which they could draw their own blood and then send it to a laboratory or just the fact that you don't need to go into the doctor's office. You don't need to go to a doctor's office, which has elevated risk, you know, whether someone's, you know, coronavirus or just has a regular cold there. Uh, you don't want to go to the doctors unless you really need to. Um, so for having an understanding of who has it and how many people have already had it would be very important for our society, important for the NBA to do that because they are collectively, like us, part of society. So that's why the NBA joined that study. But that seems to be step one. But ultimately, Chris, as I, as I think you read in the story, it's about group testing. It's about getting this done quickly. And that group testing is something in which the NBA is investigating for whenever they arrive at the neutral site as a way to save tests. And what group testing is, is like if you have a pool of 100 people and you take 100 swabs, 100 samples of them, you could test all 100 of those individually to figure out if somebody has coronavirus or doesn't. Uh, however, with group testing, you could, you could group 10 of those into 10, into 10 different tests. So 10 people's samples could go into one test. You could test 100 people by utilizing only 10 tests, and you would retest the ones that come up positive to figure out what people within that sample are actually the ones causing that test to be positive. So you could essentially do you know, 100 swabs and use only 25 tests. So it's a way for the NBA to save samples, but also that is a reflection of what the state of Nebraska is doing. It is what a handful of other countries are beginning to do in areas of their own countries. And that could be an effective thing for the United States to take on. If only one state in Nebraska is doing it, maybe others can doing it to test masses amount of people while conserving the amount of tests that are utilized. Do you know if that's quick or not? Yeah, I mean, from the people that I talk to in the medical field, it does sound like it can be a quicker process overall. Um, naturally, well, well, because it, well, it freaks me out, right? Like, let's say, let's say I've got the Atlanta Hawks, right? I'm gonna test everybody in their traveling party, so fifty, and then they come people, back, yeah. yeah, and then they come back and they say, ah, "We got a positive." Now everybody's looking around at each other, like, "Oh God!" Like somebody in here. Well, I, you know, uh, and that's why. So, like the. I don't know this will happen, but everybody I've talked to from league executives to medical professionals, they recommend and believe this is what will happen, that there will be some type of quarantine when you arrive at a neutral site. It could be 72 hours. It could be 96 hours. And over that time, that's when you're stuck in your hotel room and you're not supposed to leave, just like a lot of people are now, right? Like it's a, mm -hmm. it's a self-quarantine. And at that point, that's when they're doing rapid, repeated testing in which you're getting maybe three tests over a three-day period or three tests over a four-day period because these tests aren't perfect. Even if a test has a 99% efficiency, if it's 99% accurate, or as I call it, sensitivity in, in that world, uh, there's still one person that could slip through. And by doing repeated testing you increase the odds that you catch that one person who currently currently has the live coronavirus. And 
for the NBA, that seems to be something that is a high probability of happening is a quarantine upon arrival at a neutral site. We'll see if that happens. I mean, the NBPA, mm-hmm. uh, the Players Association, and the NBA still need to co- come to some type of agreement on what is actually done. But that does seem to be what is recommended. That is what is recommended by medical professionals. And it is what it seems NBA executives believe will happen. Um, and that's what would increase the odds that nobody slips through the cracks. And of course, there's still risk, but uh, got to do everything you can and and take on, accept some of the risks if this is what you're going to do. Well, I need to imagine that once they get these guys back to their facilities and they're doing the individuals and then they're doing a short training camp, by the time they get to wherever they're going, they're going to be used to it because they're going to be constantly tested as soon as you know, so hopefully you you can you can nip some of it in the bud in the three weeks leading up, um, and, and then that also might give you a good it, it might give you a good feel of what you're going to be doing if you've got three or four weeks, and we're going to kind of all right, we're going to start everybody going back to their local market. We're going to be doing these training camps and whatnot. Like you know, if six out of fifteen players has it on a major on you know several teams and we're going to be like all right we can't do this right you know what i'm saying well, like I mean, you are I mean, going to you'll you'll have time to learn how big of an issue this can be before you yes. head off to orlando and start this thing if you got a 3 or 4 week run up like cuz i mean you and i both know at the very beginning of all this you remember the news came out and we knew of Donovan Mitchell we knew of Rudy Gobert we knew of a couple of uh a, a, a guys from other teams, Kevin Durant and a couple of the Nets and whatever. And there was at least like 10 guys, right, that we had heard of. And we were sitting there saying, bro, the league is only 450 guys. And these are just the ones that have been tested. So how widespread are this? Because a lot of these guys, especially at their age and their health level, they could be totally asymptomatic. You even had some of them say, I never even felt sick. I never even knew anything was wrong with me. So I mean, they pr- get them pretty back. much anybody that spoke about it said they didn't right? feel anything. Yeah, and, and that, that that's like when Rudy Gobert came out and he's like, "Oh, by the way, I noticed that I started losing my sense of smell and sense of taste." And that's he's like, "Oh, that's the one thing I I actually felt." Yeah, you know, and that's what it is for a lot of people, and that's why medical professionals, why doctors, and everybody who's studying this right now, that's why this is spreading as quickly as it can especially in condensed areas like we saw in New York City, right. uh, in, in which a test, uh, New York State did a test of New York City specifically and showed that approximately 25% of New York City citizens have had coronavirus compared to like 3% compared to the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. And so it's really condensed areas from asymptomatic spreaders. And you, so you think about that in a basketball setting, if one guy on every team had it theoretically this is mm-hmm. unlikely yeah. but if one guy right. in all 30 teams had it and mo- very few players have already had it on those teams there's a high probability perhaps that that would spread like wildfire which is why the nba needs to do testing with antibodies which they're doing now through the mayo clinic about half the teams about 400 total people players and staffers are part of that study more are expected to all 30 teams as soon as their facilities open are likely going to join that study um, with the Mayo Clinic, that's important to know who already had it. But then knowing who has it is critical in preventing an outbreak within the NBA population. And that happens, as you said, Chris, before they get to any neutral site, before they go to Disney World, that needs to happen with some amount of testing. But then once you get there, 
That's when the quarantine happens, and that's when you really, really need to ramp up testing before you resume basketball activities, and then you still continue testing every 48 hours, every 78 hours, however long it is that they decide. Um, But for the NBA, man, like they're taking the steps they can, and we have seen around the world right now, you know, KBO, the Korean Baseball League thus far, has effectively done a good job. We saw... The Premier League tested 748 of their players, of which six tested positive, which is a very low amount. I mean, I mean, we don't know if there are any false negatives in that population. A false negative being when somebody tests as negative, even though they are actually positive. We don't know if those are in there. There's always a chance with this type of testing that happens, which is why repeated testing is so critical. And uh, for the NBA, they accept that there is likely going to be at least one positive whenever this this process happens. And if they do have one or multiple positives, it's about getting that player out, quarantining that player for some amount of time until he is a negative. And that is the way this is going to work for the NBA for some amount of time. This could be happening next season too. It just might not be at a neutral site. Um, Or it could be multiple neutral sites. But for the NBA, this is... I felt like as I was writing this article uh, that went up on the ringer and as I was reporting it for that matter, I, I personally felt like this is obviously an immense challenge for the league. It is clearly a challenge for the players, for the coaches, for anybody involved, never mind for the league office with running it. Uh, but it's doable. It is doable if they do the right things with testing and if players don't pull down Dennis Rodman and leave all the time. And, you know, Jared Dudley made the joke, like every team has a Dennis Rodman. He just doesn't have colored hair. Uh, you can't have a lot of Dennis Rodmans. Um, but for the NBA with the testing aspect and with just the fact that they're doing more with like cleaning the ball, uh, with desensitizing the rooms and all those steps that we're doing at home, wearing your masks, you know, courtside and, you know, in group settings, except when you're on the court, If all these things are done, it's doable. It's just going to be really hard. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 pods at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Rewatchables or the Dave Chang Show or the Ringer NBA Show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then... Click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. All the pods you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. On Spotify, you can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. You can do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they just had a good cup of coffee. And then... There's 1.5 times, two times, and if you're completely insane, three times. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature that's pretty cool. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device, and you're good to go. Should you be embarrassed that you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify? Well, I don't want to app shame you, but the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Make the move. Listen to podcasts on Spotify. Back to yours. Every week on Friday, we have been running through a mailbag, and our listeners have given us all kinds of unbelievable questions over the course (laughs) of the weeks. Bobby Wagner, what do we got this week? All right, first up comes from friend of the show, Brian. 
I'm glad that you mentioned Jared Dudley. He says, Jared Dudley recently talked about how every team has their own Dennis Rodman in regards to players breaking quarantine when the season returns. Who do you each think will be the first player to get busted doing something crazy by breaking quarantine? Hmm. All right. My my gut said, like, my mind went straight to Dion Waiters. But then I thought to myself, there's no way <laughs> LeBron and the Lakers with their hopes of winning a championship would let that happen. So it has to be on a team that's just out of it. Right, Chris? It's so funny that you said that because I also thought of a former Cavalier, but I thought of <laughs> Tristan Thompson. Because, really? Oh. oh, how many times has he played with fire? You know what I mean? Like he got caught on the TMZ video. You mm. know what I mean? Like, and his team stinks. You know what I mean? And he's not going to be part of anything. He's not going to be in the playoffs or anything. But his decision-making has been called into question. Let's what, just what say. What if it's a coach? What if it's like Tim Duncan? No way. <laughs> no way. Uh, Pop, Popovich and Duncan, they go out for a late yeah, night I mean, glass I think, of wine off of Disney premises. I think, I think you're, yeah, you're either thinking about somebody that is so good they think they're untouchable. Like LeBron can do whatever he wants to do. (laughs) Or you're thinking somebody that's just on an absolute rat team that doesn't care. So it's like, why am I even doing this? Why are we even playing the rest of this season? So find a, find a Nick or, uh, you know, no offense to Nick, find a Nick, find a son, find a, who else? Minnesota, find a T wolf, somebody there like towards the bottom Atlanta. Is everybody on Atlanta? I don't know if anybody like, you know what we have thing is though. It's like, it's like Jared Dudley said, you don't know who it is. Like we know. Yeah. You know, like if you know, if you're on the team, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't know because I don't have the colored hair. (laughs) Let me just say this and I'm a knock on wood right now. All right. There are, especially given the day and age we live in. I am stunned at the amount of players that are not, like grossly irresponsible. Like the truth, the the truth is now this league is filled with so many guys that are good guys and that do right. I mean, how many times do you see, that's why I knocked on wood. Like how many times do you see guys in the news or guys in trouble with the law? Like it's very rare. It really is. It's very rare um, that you've seen NBA guys in trouble with the law. Um, and I don't know how it would stack up with other sports, but I mean, it's just, I mean, I can't even, uh, I don't want to say I can't remember, but it's its hard to remember something that was like mega significant that somebody did. Like, I'm not talking about just being stupid or something. Um, the other thing, Kevin, though, this would have been this whole like quarantine. I was absolutely convinced that there would be somebody that, got jumped for tweeting something stupid. And that hasn't really happened either. You know what I mean? I'm talking about like during this whole like coronavirus and the pandemic and everything else, you haven't seen somebody really get trashed for something, you know, because everybody's just sitting around. They're looking for somebody to make the bad guy on, on anything. Um, Yeah. They conduct themselves you know, very responsibly, generally, much better than I did when I was 22. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, when I was 22, I was just playing uh, Call of Duty late night, every <laughs> night, just like I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you any good? 
I'm okay. Uh, I'm I'm getting back, getting back yeah. on the horse. It's taken me a little bit of time. I've never been great uh, at at Call of Duty, but I've always had fun. <laughs> when you were a kid, what was your screen name? L- like on Xbox, I was Midnight Lightning. It's a Jimi <laughs> Hendrix song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so good. Midnight Lightning. Uh, that's so yep. good. Okay, yeah, next Jimmy question. Song, yep. Next question comes from Dad and Ethan. Uh, okay. They say, "Good day from Melbourne, Australia. Love the show. My son Ethan, who's nine years old, and I listen to every show, and it's provided a lot of laughs during isolation." LeBron aside, which current player or players is likely to climb highest on the list? How far could they climb, and what would they need to do to get there? So, which current player could climb highest on the all-time players list? Thank you for the question, Dad and Ethan. It's got to be Stephen Curry, right? Has to be Steph. Isn't he? Isn't he, already, isn't he already? But, but mean, how much higher can he climb, though? I mean, can he be a guy that just breaks through that top ten? Stephen Durant, wouldn't you say, Stephen Durant? I think it's got to be those two. With Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi, there's always a chance, but with the durability uh, issues that he's had in the past. I, I, I don't know, Kev. Seen it, but but then if again, he like he's already hey, won two. If he wins it this year and you go three teams, uh, yeah, I know. I and know. you go three Finals MVPs with three different teams, Kawhi mm-hmm. might actually be the answer. Seriously, yeah, he, because he could be. that is something that is just unheard of for you to go to three different teams and be the best guy on three different teams that won a title. And he's still only twenty eight, by the way. Yeah. I mean, well, he only plays. He plays. He plays thirty games a year. Yeah. We have a couple follow-ups <laughs> here, too. So we have a question from Fred. Well, well, well one second. With, with Dad and Ethan, I, I also just want to say it's really cool that father and son listening to the show together. Yep. That's really cool. I saw in their email that they listened to our show together, Chris, and they said that they've loved enjoying it during quarantine. We've given them a lot of laughs. And as somebody that also listened to Sports Talk Radio back in the day uh, with my dad, um, and enjoyed laughs riding in the car together. It's cool that uh, Dad and Ethan are enjoying this show together. So thank you guys for saying that, and uh, thank you for listening. Shout out Australia! Yeah, <laughs> we have Australia. We get so many questions from Australia and London. I think the London it's people. Wild. Are, I think the London people are lying now that we know that Kevin has the mum thing. But I don't know <laughs> the fake fake UK folks out there. There's a question from Fred and a question from Max here that are actually kind of follow ups to this question. Uh, Fred wants to know, are there any current players not named LeBron who could end up in the top 10? So do you think any of those trio of guys that you just named could get to the top 10? And then Max wants to know about KD specifically. If KD gets a ring with the Nets, what would that do for his legacy yes. in terms of all-time ranking? Yes. By the time it's all said and done, I mean, again, we'll see how he looks coming back from Achilles. And I know people that hate on Kevin Durant, but you're going to stack up his numbers one day and there's going to be a different story told. About him, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, people always say, give you your, your your flowers while you're still here. And I think we just went through this with Kobe, unfortunately, earlier this year. All of a sudden, everybody, everybody that was still, you know, uh, you know, on the anti Kobe side, all of a sudden then started to respect his career in a different manner, which is sad that that's what it took. But I do think that. Once this guy is like not, you know, uh, fighting with eggs on Twitter, and once this guy's back to play basketball, and his career's all said and done, I think we're going to look back at what Kevin Durant did. I mean, he has averaged over 25 points a game for what? It's over a decade, isn't it? I'm serious. I, mean, I don't he, think he's. he's he, I don't he think he's ever. Be, 
he may not be the goat, but he is arguably the goat scorer. I mean, I mean he's right up. He's right up there with, with some of the all time greats. When you consider just how unique of a player he is, seven foot, able to do the things that he is. I mean, it's extraordinary. And maybe there are multiple titles in his future that uh, allows him to really break through that top ten players all time. And uh, I think really of the current guys that we're talking about. It's those three, right? Uh, I mean, there's some younger guys like Giannis that could someday really, really reach that level. Uh, what Giannis, was the, he, didn't you say he, that uh, Luca was going to be a top ten player all time or top five player all time? Something crazy like I don't, that. I don't. I don't remember saying that, but I said he was yeah, a top ten did. player. I you said he was a top. That. What I said was he was a top ten player when people were saying I was nuts. That was no. Like this was in November. our overreactions. At the beginning of the season, our overreaction. Yeah, I, I, I said he was a yeah. I said he was a top ten player in the league, and people at the no. time were like, "No, he's not a top ten player." We can roll no. back the tape if we need. Yeah, to. Yeah, you said of all to. time. No, I didn't. Uh, I said I said top ten currently in the league. We can roll back the tape from his. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. Everybody, uh, nobody, no, no, no nobody look. would disagree with that. I did disagree. Want it's me to not pull an up the tweets right now. It's not an it overreaction. At the, at the time, it was. All right, At we're gonna pull the tape, and I'm gonna be the, right about this. Pull oh, the tape. Okay. Let, let me, let me, let me. I'm pull, pull the tape. Tweet. What? That's what I'm it's, doing right now. It Look wasn't a tweet. And you, this was it, a yes, podcast was. we did. I said we it on. Did the uh, I said it on Twitter, and I said it here. No, stop. You're misremembering. It's, it's simple a, as that. It's a, it was an all time. Luke, I tweeted on November 9th, Luca is already a top ten NBA player. First response: No, he's not. LMAO. WTF? No, that wasn't it. That wasn't what we're talking about. We're talking about the podcast that we did. Pump the brakes. Luca couldn't guard me. Laugh. Gift responses. This was November 9th, and we had a similar podcast around the same time. I, I, never, I have never said that he'll be a top 10 player ever. That would be outrageous to say. He has a chance to be a great player. He has a chance to win MVPs. He has a chance to someday maybe be in that conversation. But top gonna, 10 is outrageous. It's so tough to be that level. You're going to regret this. You did it. You did it. It was one of the it was one of the overreactions. It was on our pod. Oh, that overreactions pod though. I, did I say what? it on there? I don't remember. I don't remember, but I don't think I did. It Pull wasn't overreactions tape. pod. But I don't think I did. I'm pulling the tape on Tuesday. I don't think Tuesday. I did. I'll pull yeah. the tape on Tuesday. I'll, oh, I'll we'll drop have it. In. The, we're gonna have the tape on Tuesday, <laughs> that's for sure. I promise you that. <laughs> Top we'll 10. see. Top that all time. By the way, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Durant averaged 20 points a game his rookie year. He has averaged over 25 <laughs> points every year for the last 11 seasons. The other thing with KD, too, is that there's a there's a million next KDs. So he really is like the trendsetter for this next generation of players, almost like the way that Julius Irving was in the 80s, where it was like the athletic two guard yep. that could really get to the rim. Now it's like the long guard skill seven foot dude who can shoot threes like the Amani Bates type those guys all look like KD they don't look like LeBron they don't look like Michael Jordan yeah. they look like KD let me tell you something Kevin Durant you're right Bobby there's always the next KD right the next Kevin Durant nobody says he's the next LeBron anymore right but they do say that and I've heard that so many different times and I just roll my eyes but when I first heard of Imani Bates it was actually Jaron Jackson Sr., his dad, who played for the Spurs, you know, in their championship team. He told me two years ago, 
because he's on the AAU circuit. He's still involved in, you know, uh, uh, AAU basketball. And he said, you got to see this kid, Imani Bates. And I went and looked him up. And of all the people that everybody has always said, I watched that tape and I'm like, oh my God, it is. If anybody, he just won Gatorade Player of the Year as like a sophomore, right? He really, he really is KD. If you watch him, it is freaky. That kid, oh my God. Really, he's KD crossed with KG with the emotion that <laughs> he mean, plays with and the amount of trash that he talks on the court. Holy Amani mackerel. Amani Bates, uh, he'll be a junior next season. He would be the number one pick today. If, yes. if he were in the current draft as a sophomore at high school, he would be the number one pick. He's one of those prospects that you can say that about. Yes. He is the real deal. Oh, anybody, you pull up that kid's highlights and it's, I mean, I saw, this is when he was a freshman, right before he was going into his freshman years when I was told about him. Um, and I, I guess, uh, Jared Jackson senior just been on the circuit in the summer because I saw him at summer league and that's when he was telling me about him. And I went and looked him up on YouTube and that's when he was a freshman. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like I've never seen anything like this. Ever, I mean, as a freshman, you saw how tall he was. I mean, this kid's been, and he's tall and lanky. He's got crazy handles. He it's is. wild. I mean, like, he won Michigan Player of the Year, Gatorade yep. Player of the Year, as as a freshman. You know, yep. just for Michigan, but then national as a sophomore is uh, pretty outrageous, ridiculous. And he's only only going to get better over time. I, I interviewed him a, a couple of weeks back. Whenever he won Gatorade Player, they all all the days are blending together. I don't know when that award was given out. It might have been four months ago, for all I can remember. Uh, but sometime recently. I interviewed him for when he was doing his media tour and he sounds hungry. He sounds like a guy. I, I don't think this is like any cookie cutter media training responses. He sounds like a guy who's hungry to get better and improve on his weaknesses. And that that's a variable that that's important for a guy that's already ha- accomplished as much as he has to still have that edge to want to get better. Um, that bodes well for him. Back to the original question, Kawhi Curry or Durant, which are and, and Gian, Giannis too, Giannis as well, and and whoever gets the titles, those guys have a big lead on Giannis though, because I mean, they've got rings. If if he wins back to back MVPs and then wins his first finals this year, well then he then will have like well back to back MVPs would be uh, that's pretty special. Know. Yeah, yeah, that's I know. But, but Curry's done that. I mean, he didn't do the back to back MVPs, but he's also got multiple rings. All right, what else we got, Bobby? Um, let me just squeeze in this question from Martin. <laughs> Kind of perfect Martin. for our conversation, but I feel like Luca doesn't get talked about enough on the show. The oh, guy is God. the best 20-year-old we've ever seen. Do you think there's a <laughs> chance he could finish his career as the GOAT? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I-, I felt like we were talking about Luca a lot in October, in November, and December. And then, in a way, we almost sort of started to get used to him. And and that and I mean we the collective we NBA Twitter uh, NBA media NBA fans because he just was like we took him as not a surprise anymore as a guy who clearly is a star player and he just got a little bit less attention as the season wore on but no could could he finish the career as the goat no no he couldn't and and I would look at the defensive end of the floor for that reason Luca can be a fine defender but he can't be a great defender like Michael Jordan was or LeBron James is. Uh, and that's going to hold Luca back when it comes to that all-time great discussion. If he's ever in the discussion to be top ten, top twenty-five, uh, the defensive aspect people will look at and say, "Yeah, he was fine, but not great." I mean, what are the chances he's even the greatest Mav? 
Let's slow down. I mean, because Dirk Nowitzki, what is he? <laughs> I mean, the, the 15th best player of all time? Is he the 20? I mean, whatever number you want to give to him, he's in the top 25 all time. You know how Dirk accomplished is. you got to be to be better than Dirk Nowitzki, though? I, I mean, know. and you the longevity. longevity. Yes. Yep. You got to win. You got to put up big time numbers. You got to be a leader. Dirk checks all these boxes, and Luca is still just a kid. We don't know what kind of man he'll become. Uh, and that's one of the things he needs to get better at is being a vocal leader, being a leader, leader more than just by example with his plan in the court. That's a great thing to have. Um, but that's one way in which the Mavericks need him to to grow up over time and be the real leader of that team uh, more than by example. I feel like we already need a Dirk last dance. They're already forgetting about it. I mean, that guy played for the same damn franchise. I mean, can we focus top 10? No, but the thing is, too. To Martin's point, Luca is different. 20 years old and having an MVP caliber season, that's different. Dirk in his second season, it's fair. after a really a first season in which he struggled, got a little bit better. Luca went from a great rookie who won rookie of the year to a guy who in a normal year would get more MVP votes than he will because of Giannis putting up the year he is, because of LeBron, because of Harden, because of all these guys, because of you know, because of Giannis. Luca, he's a first-time All NBA player. player, you know, and he's different. So we'll see where he ends up. But uh, what a start for this guy! This comes from Cole, host of the Dissect podcast. Shout out to Dissect. Oh, Chris, Chris, and Kevin O'Castaway. What's your one album and one (laughs) book you take if you were to be a castaway on a desert island? Oh, I like this. And by the way, let me just say to the book to the homie Cole from Dissect. This new season on the Beyonce album, is unbelievable. He's done uh, Lemonade, is the new season for Dissect. And for anybody that hasn't listened to Dissect, it's fantastic. He has broken down all manner of albums. I would start with the Kanye one, honestly. My Dark Twisted Beautiful Fantasy. Um, All-time great. And that whole whole podcast is great. He breaks it down song by song. Uh, Anyways, the album in the what? The album in the book. What's a book? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, that's the way I actually feel. What's a book? So, I'm supposed to say the Bible, right? I'm supposed to say the Bible. Um, I what, Wasn't that Trump's response? Like, what's your favorite book before? The Bible? Did you yeah. say the Bible? It's just the yeah, only book he like, could think but, of. Yeah, when he, was, <laughs> when he was running for president, I think. That was funny. It's funny, it's funny you say that about the album because I just name dropped an old episode of Dissect. I might take that Kanye album. Um, I love that. I love uh, Extraordinary Machine by Fiona Apple. That's one of my favorites ever. I'm trying to think of the album that like I could just repeat and listen to a lot. Maybe like maybe one of the Beatles ones. I think I'd get tired of it though. You know what I mean? I probably I think my, I'd get my tired answer of it. is clear cut. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. That's I, a, I don't. I, I don't care you think if you it's could, a. But you think you could listen to it a thousand times? I already have probably (laughs) 14, 15 years. Yeah, I'm serious. I mean, I listen to it probably at least I probably listen to it once a week. Oh, wow. I I love that album so much. Um, I mean, it's it would be hard not to take some other Pink Floyd albums uh, and it'd be hard to say no to some Jimi Hendrix albums, too. But Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon is an album I go to when I just want to chill out. It's an album I go to when I want to, you know, have some focus music in the background, you know, sometimes while writing. It's a uh, it's perfect for driving late at night. It's 
perfect for so many different types of situations, including, I'm sure, being on a desert island. <laughs> I was going to say, for all the driving that you're going to be doing by yourself on the desert island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's just a little track on the island. They, they happen <laughs> to have a car there for some reason, but nothing else to, to communicate with the outside world. Uh, what about a book? Uh, would you take a, 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 I'm curious, like, would you take a, a basketball or sports related book or would you take a, a life book type of thing, Chris, or a story? I pretty well read sports books and like nonfiction, mm -hmm. like biographies. That's what I, that's what I end up reading the most. Um, if you're stranding me on a desert island, I probably like take like a, I'm not kidding, like an almanac or something like that. You know what um, I mean? Yeah. Like some, I'm saying something that yeah. I could, because what, what book, if you're stranding me on a desert island, is there a book? I, I don't, I don't think there's a book that I've ever read front to back multiple times. Seriously. Maybe like one of those motivational books or something like that. Or I maybe know if like, I'd want to read a motivational be, book when I'm no, stranded no, but on, I mean, on No, I mean like something, yeah. something like that. Like a, yeah, right. Um, you know, like that John Wooden <laughs> book I mentioned. Yeah. I've probably flipped back through that a lot. Or like, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think what other book I've like recalled. Harvey Penix, The Little Red Book of Golf. Like, you know, that's one you could just flip open and check out anytime, but I wouldn't be playing any golf on a beach. Um, yeah, I guess like maybe like some big ass almanac or something, yeah. you know, like uh, something I that I, I could just with something like that. Yeah. yeah, just read about stuff, you know, because then, then you could escape, you know, mentally yeah. with with many different topics rather than yeah. one world, you know. That would be but, like your only chance to finish the crazy hard books, like Infinite Jest or oh, you know, God. Portrait of an Artist as a Young is Man. It like, like, is it right? Any is of it, those books, Ulysses? It, 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 are you are you reading off the Ringer script? Is the Ringer requiring you to say? Something no. uh, infinite jest. <laughs> no, <laughs> the most hipster book ever. Well, it's just it really super long. Is. You gotta I pick know, like a book that you gotta kill as much time infinite as possible. Jest. You can't read like seven seconds or less. Like you were alive for that. You're not gonna get that much out of it that many times. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, what's next? Okay, let's do a couple Sixers questions. We got a lot of Sixers fans submitting to the podcast. <laughs> oh, great. This comes from Jake. The Sixers have demonstrated that they can contend with all of the best teams in the league this season. I know they're wildly inconsistent, especially on the road. But do you guys see a world in which the Sixers still make a run to the finals if the season was to return? A hundred percent. I do. Yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. I see a world where that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. They're a bad Absolutely. matchup. They're a bad matchup yeah. for some of the best teams. Ben Simmons comes back healthier. I mean, uh, there was the interview with Jackie McMullen in which he did say that he has the intentions of shooting more threes when he gets back, that he's had that realization. I don't buy it. I want to see it before I believe it. I don't buy that he's going to have the confidence in a playoff situation shooting with the wrong hand when someone's sagging off 15 feet from him. I want to see it. And if I see it, then maybe, maybe I'll buy in there. But even without that, even without Simmons shooting threes, this team is right in there when they're clicking. This is what I have so, to yes. say. They're not the, you know, the Bucks. they still have to prove it. They just do. They've got to be in the Easter Conference Finals, and they got to bust somebody up. Um, the Celtics, this version, they got to prove it, right? That they, they could do it. Like, the, Toronto is the one, but Toronto is a weakened version of last year, no matter what we say. So, I mean, when you look through the top teams in the East – of course, there's a world. There's a scenario in which it takes place. I mean, they got they got they got awesome players, and Embiid, Embiid is one of the very few players in the entire league, much less the Eastern Conference, 
that you could foresee being in a series with Giannis and being the best player in that particular series. That These other teams, you know, you're counting on Tatum to do that. You're counting on like a Siakam to do that. But Embiid, for sure, you could foresee a situation where he's the best player on the court. Sure, and, and he's a guy that gives you a chance. And then they have a lot of other good players on that team. Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris is solid. Maybe Al Horford comes back and he's shooting threes at a high level, which he wasn't early in the season. Maybe he's feeling healthier. Maybe his knees are feeling better. There's a lot of variables here with the time off. Some of these guys could be worse coming back. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but the Sixers on paper, 100%. I picked them to be in the finals before the season, and I would go with the Bucks now. Uh, but before the season, I projected the Sixers. And there's a chance maybe they come back and they gut things right. Maybe they're doing the little things that they need to. Simmons shooting corner threes. Al Horford defending at a higher level. That really puts them over the top. And if that's the case, they 100% are in the conversation. Um, but if all those other things happen, they could have an increased shot of actually making it there and winning it. All right. So now that you've made Sixers fans happy, let's let's upset them. This is a question from Henry. For these next few minutes, I'd like to return to normalcy. You guys just arguing over a fake trade blowing up the Sixers. What do you think of Ben Simmons for Jamal Murray and some assets? No way. No. I no that. way. No way. What? For Jamal Murray? Hell no. I wouldn't do that trade if I were Jamal Sixers, Murray can't no. even run his Instagram stories right. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he can. I don't know. All right. Here's from Gabriel. Last one on the Sixers. Would you rather start a team around Jason, Jason Tatum or Ben Simmons? Jason Tatum, easily. We Both agree. Of you? Both yeah, of you we agree. agree? Yeah. Two yeah. straight questions? We agree. I'll, I'll always take too a score. Too agreeable. I'll always take a score. And he's an elite defender, too. Give me yeah, Tatum. We're, too, we're too agreeable on this. Yeah. Tatum is, I mean, God bless. That, that, that's going to get lost in all of this. When the season stopped, he was on a four-week like tear where he was one of the best five guys in the league. Seriously, I mean, I, it's it's funny. I wrote that the the feature article about him like a week before things got shut down, and when things right? got shut down, I'm like, damn, good thing <laughs> I did that before this. All he was happened. going crazy. <laughs> he was going crazy. I, I mean, mean, they he, were. He was. You he was averaging thirty. He was averaging thirty points over his last fifteen ish, twenty ish games or something. Wasn't like it that. the Lakers? Was it the yeah. Lakers they played on that Sunday? And they're double teaming him every time. Yeah, they were you trapping get, him and pick and rolls, and you know, trying to get I the mean, ball out of his hands. When you're to the point where you've already got teams trapping you to try to get the ball out of your hands at his age, I mean, something clicked with him and he was, I mean, he was about to finish this season just as a absolute different guy, different guy than we had ever seen. He was one of those guys to relate this to the prior Sixers question. If Tatum continues doing that in playoff situations, that gives Boston an elevated shot in this whole thing. Right? Because if you have a guy like that, you always get a chance. And they have good surrounding pieces around that guy. Uh, so Philly and Boston, they really do enter the equation with Milwaukee that if those, things click right for them, we could have one heck of a final four in the Eastern Conference as we could in the West. I mean, look, dude, I can't, I can't help but think about it. If basketball comes back, it's going to be so special, man. It's it, like this year was already great with the you know amount of great young players we have rising with the exciting teams. But if things come back with everything else that's happened, it's going to feel even more special. We've had a chance to miss it. Really miss it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We stay so busy with it now since it's become a 12-month deal. I mean, we do this show 12 months. 
because we got free agency and then we're going to summer league and it's like there's no real downtime, you know? And now yeah, we did we've the show had, last August, right? We yeah, did. We yeah. <laughs> there's no real downtime. And now we've had a chance to miss it more than ever before. I wasn't producing the show yet in last August, so it's not canon. You guys didn't actually do it. It didn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was that that was when we were still run by that turncoat Isaac Lee who ran <laughs> off to become a Hamilton singer or whatever he did. <laughs> Superstar producer of HQ Trivia, a new podcast from The Ringer. Who cares? What a great natural plug, Bobby. I love it. Yeah, if Isaac okay. produces it, I can't listen to it. This comes from Gary. He wants to know, <laughs> better stretch 2010 through 2017 Grizzlies versus the 2012 through 2019 Rockets. With postseason success being nearly identical, which team had a better run? <laughs> Chris looks kind of hurt by the question. I mean, obviously, you think about those Rockets teams in real beloved terms. I remember when they, oh, nobody remembers shit about them ever. What are we talking about? What Rockets thing do you even remember besides them coming back against the Clippers because they benched their best player? They benched James Harden and then won with Josh Smith hitting threes. Like, what other thing am I supposed to remember? That they did seven games with the Warriors and missing twenty seven threes in a row. Wait, what year? Yeah, yeah, right. Great (laughs) moments. I mean, I mean, I'm saying they went seven games with one of the greatest teams ever. Congrats! And then they lost, and then they missed twenty seven threes in a row, in a row. You asked what we remember. I didn't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. But I mean, I'll. I'll, uh, I don't want to really respond. I don't want to piss off Chris. Speaking of those 2019 Rockets, Samir asks, wondering who you think is least likely to return to the Rockets next season. Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, or Russell Westbrook? <laughs> did, they, did they actually spell it Morey? <laughs> M-O capital R-A-Y. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Samir. Uh, I would say uh, least likely to return, Mike D'Antoni. It's not even, not even close. Not even close? Yeah, I'd say Mike D'Antoni. Not close to the guy that cost him like a billion dollars. His contract is up. I get it. Simple as as that. His contract is up. And there's already been noise for over a year that they want to hire somebody new. I think think, think I'd put them even. Morey and D'Antoni? Morey. I'd put... Here's an interesting sliding doors question from Richard. If the Thunder had traded Westbrook instead of Harden, do you think they would have won a championship? No. Why not? No. I don't think they would. I don't think they would have been better because I just watched the 2011 Oklahoma City Thunder like two weeks ago. Go watch the games. Harden didn't pass then either. It would have been worse for KD. Pass. What do you mean? He did it. Are you saying he doesn't pass now? No. I don't care if he gets eight assists a game. He's got the ball in his hands every damn possession. What are yeah, we talking about? He would not have been better with KD. He was the one least willing to sacrifice on that team. But to the point, if one of the three were gone, it's like they say three's a crowd. If one of the three were gone and that one was Westbrook rather than Harden, that's the question here. Westbrook maybe he was, wasn't, maybe Westbrook he wasn't was sacrificing the better fit. with the three of them. He was the are better sure? fit. Andy was a are, bulldog. Are we sure? Andy was a bulldog, which is what you need in the playoffs. Are we sure he was the better fit with Kevin Durant and not a guy who is a yes. tremendous perimeter scorer who is also a great passer? Are we sure? Who wants to and has we, to are, be the man? 
Yeah, Are we we're sure, sure that a more that a, yeah, a more sure. efficient scorer wouldn't be a better fit next to Kevin Durant than Russell Westbrook, who shot that it's team about out of various the, it's about, teams? It's also about their personalities. I mean, keep in mind, Kevin Durant won the MVP, led the league in scoring, playing alongside Russell Westbrook. Of course. I mean, so but, I know what the results were playing alongside Westbrook. And then I know what hard how Harden plays, and I do think Harden would have a tough time being the sidekick. You know what I mean? And and Westbrook no. was the sidekick. <laughs> he was. Make no didn't mistake about like that. Didn't, didn't feel like it all the time. Didn't feel oh, like come it. Come on. Get serious. I'd just like to point out that that was literally the exact same as the Game of Zones argument. Like right yep. down to the Westbrook shooting threes of it. <laughs> Dude, that was that was awesome. I, I love. I still love that moment so much. Did you watch the finale, you guys? Of, of, yeah. Of Game of Zones. It's of really course. good. Love. It's it. really good. Okay, we got time for two more. This comes from Blake. If the NBA does have a campus slash bubble and invites you to be a part of the media, would you go? Yes. No. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be away from my mom uh, unless she wanted to come. But <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I mean, how long do I have to be there? So I had to be there the whole time? Oh, no. You would go for the, the end of the regular season I would and go, the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I would not go for the res, rest of the regular season. You no. would go just for the playoffs then? Yeah. I would, I, go. I would, I would go for some portion of it. I yeah, wouldn't go I wouldn't go. Thing. No, yeah, for the whole yeah. time? Oh, no. let, me, mm. let me rephrase that. The answer is, would I, I mean, I would trust their protocols. They will have same protocols for the media, too. So the idea is, do, I, I thought it was a safety question, not a time away from home question. Oh, yeah. For for safety, I would go. For safety, I have yeah, no questions. That, I mean, let's I thought be real that was here. The, I thought yeah. that was the question. Uh, because no, I can't be away from my house for three months. What are you talking about? <laughs> but but you but you could go for like a week and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. So and I, I would I would do the same, but uh, not not an extended stretch for the playoffs. Maybe just the finals, or maybe just one particular series. Yeah, that's I. That's how I took the question. I th- I thought it was a safety question. You think the mismatch is going to get that invite? Us three are going to get our our invite in the mail along with uh, Shams Woj. You know, I wonder if media is going to be allowed. I no mean, way. I, I, no I way. don't think so. My expectation is no. I would say no, and even if they are allowed, you're not going to be allowed near the players. Well, you know, I, I I'm part of a you know a broadcast, and I think uh, I haven't asked much about it. But I mean, I remember a long time ago, I was like, what would it, what would even happen? And I think what you do is have your home broadcasters, like basically you'd be in an, your your own arena, like alone, right, to do the shows. And then you would be you'd be getting a feed in order to broadcast it on your RSN, your regional sports, so that you would be getting a feed and your play-by-play guy and your color guy, they're watching the game on a feed and they're able to call the game like that and that's how you would be able to broadcast it but no they would not be in the arena only the national television would be in the arena that's what the espn kbo broadcasts are like yeah they're just in their homes i mean obviously it's Mm -hmm. different because like they're not going to fly them internationally to those games but it's it's worked okay i mean it's a lot harder to call the play-by-play of it all but sure uh, you know i think that's what they're gonna do you said you don't like doing play-by-play chris i don't no i'm just not good at it I'm not, I, I, I mean, I have done it before. I just think there, there is, um, I didn't stay doing it right now. Maybe if I would have, but I think that 
people underestimate how hard that is to be great at and and how bad you are at first. That is one of those things. When you are hearing somebody on one of these, for one of these teams, whoever you think is bad, whoever, whoever, I promise you they have been doing it for 10 years, at least 10 years, even if they're young. Many of them, they've been doing it for 20 years, calling games all the time, practicing, honing their craft. I mean, that and basketball is a hard, hard sport to do. And that was the one, right, that I was a part of. And that was when I was in college. And I just, I didn't feel like I really had a knack for it. Um, you know, being able to de- describe things very well. Um, in the way that you needed to. And so I just, I have, I have great, um, I, I honor these guys sit behind the mic and try to do that one day. It's not easy. It's not, that's not an easy job. Okay. Last question comes from David. I was wondering how you guys met and what your first impressions of each other were. I'm pretty sure you guys have told, (laughs) pretty sure you guys have told this story on the pod, but we might have some new listeners come to us during quarantine. What's the story here? We met through bill. We mm-hmm. met through Bill and we met virtually. We didn't. Yeah. Kevin and I had done the podcast for over a year for sure before we ever met each other in person. Did, did we? So we started the show in September or October 2016. And, right. and I think it was 18. Did we didn't meet Summer League 2017? Uh-uh. Ooh, I don't wow. think so. So we, so we didn't meet in person until Summer League 2018. I think that's true. That's unreal. I think that's true. Th- that's that's unreal. I remember when we did our first podcast. We did it in Mark Mark Titus's room. You remember oh, that? Per- yeah, yeah, the one in person. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. I think what, that's what the first. The, what was the one with the Grizzlies Hotel? Was like on the seventieth floor or whatever. That like was r- oh, really high. You know what? what was that, maybe twenty seventeen. Yeah, it was twenty seventeen. Okay, so, so so that was the first one we did. The second one was in Titus's room. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, that Why was did we um, have to do it in Titus's room. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But, but, but my, my first my first impression, like for me, like getting asked to do it, I didn't know we were going to be doing it regularly. I think I think they just were kind of smacking us together. Uh, whoever made the call to have me record a pod with you because you were hosting the show, you know. You were doing two a week, and you had different guests on one of the shows. The other show, you had, I think, a ringer staffer, and they put you and me together. I thought it was just a one-off, maybe, and maybe potential for more. And they're like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to do the show each week together. It's like, oh, cool, great. Chris seems like a, a good guy. Uh, I yeah, like we, talking basketball with him. You know, I, we just kind of clicked early on. In fairness, uh, I'll be honest. We hit it off because um, I think Kevin and I had – very similar upbringings. And so the age thing doesn't really matter, right? We both had this deep love for our parents and family. Mm -hmm. And so we had like the major stuff we had in common. We both love basketball, even though we argued about different things. And then the other thing is like, if, if you, it's very hard to find people in this job. And I say this as, as so this is now I got out of college. It's 20 years ago now very hard to find people that don't authentic like really take themselves seriously yeah that we get off the air and that it's for show but then they're like for real pissed at me or something you know and i say that more about myself than i do about kevin but i mean kevin's got to be able to like just laugh it off the same way i laugh it off and i i just don't 
I, I, yeah, I, I can't remember. I can't remember a single instance in which I got off the show like no. that idiot. I can't remember no. a single time where I felt that way. And no. we get comments sometimes saying like, "You guys actually pissed at each other." Yes. It's like, no. Why no. would I be pissed? Because we're arguing about basketball. Yeah, like, I what, would say I, what reason would there be? And like, like you said though, there there are people, and like everybody grows up with somebody that does. Yep. take it incredibly serious if you have an argument about sports, oh. and then they take it into everything else. Let me tell you and something. That, that does happen in sports media, too, for sure. I Nobody takes them more themselves more seriously than media members. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. They, <laughs> yeah, t- they take themselves so damn seriously. They really do. Nobody <laughs> takes themselves more seriously than media members and, and think they matter so much. And that's why and so I think we both had that in common. But I'll tell you this. Yeah. This is a real, this is a great story for everybody that is out there. Um, because it's not unlike, you know, people, I guess, could have long-distance relationships. And this is a relationship of sorts. But Kevin and I, though we had not been in person, you know, you follow each other on social media. You see each other's faces, um, you know, all the time. And... By the time he came to my, like, there wasn't nothing weird. Like, we felt like we had known each other forever by the time yeah. we were, the first time we were ever in person together. And I think people experience this. You see a lot of times with, like, gamers and stuff like that. They play with these guys, and then they meet in person. It's like, oh, my God, I, I know this guy. You know what I mean? Um, and so for anybody, you know, that is getting into this line of business or sometimes when you think, like, do we really know these people? Um, yeah. Like it's real, you know what I mean? Because like Kevin and I, I felt like Kevin was one of my friends for a long time before I was ever in 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 the same room as the guy. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's the world we live in now. It's the truth. I mean, uh, it's the type of thing where like when I was a teenager, I used to have like online friends, and sometimes I was closer with those online friends than I was with my real life friends. And, you know, I think I found it at a young age of, you know, distance doesn't preclude you from having a a friendship or relationship with somebody. And, you know, over the years, finding this, you know, in my career, you know, developing a friendship with people. And, you know, especially now, as many people are working remotely, if if your job hires somebody new, you know, which that would be a great thing if your job is hiring people right now, um, reach out to that person. You know, you might click. You might click and, you know, thankful for me, for me and Chris, as soon as we hopped on that phone call the first time, we, you know, obviously like the chemistry is better now than it was then. Um, but we definitely connected for those foundational reasons, as you said, Chris, and, um, it's been a blast doing this show. This is now fourth season doing it blows my mind. It's been that long and, uh, hopefully many, many, many more to come. (laughs) And we've done two a week during a damn quarantine with no sports. (laughs) That's real love. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for another edition of the Ringer NBA show. Thanks to everybody for the great questions. Thanks, Bobby. As always, Kevin, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Have a good one, guys.